This show is part of the Thrill Me Podcast Network. Experience more on Facebook and YouTube. It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here's your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to another episode of the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy to be with you this week and happy to get into some news around the entertainment world as well as bring you a few reviews. Actually watched a couple things. The I Love You, I Hate You Barney documentary. We'll talk about that a little bit. The Weird Al biopic, Weird, the Al Yankovic story, uh, as well as Beast, the Idris Elba versus a CGI lion got some quick reviews for that coming up later on in the show. But I want to start things off. I actually don't know why I didn't talk about this when it happened last week, but Henry Selick, the director of Nightmare Before Christmas and the Wendell and Wild film that came out just in time for Halloween, starring... Key and Peel. He did an interview and pretty much went into a whole rant about how it's pretty upsetting that Tim Burton gets all the recognition for Nightmare Before Christmas, yada, yada, yada. Basically, this whole hubbubaloo about the fact that he's not the one that gets a lot of the credit for this film. And I've seen some people being like, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wrong for Tim Burton to take credit for this film. What I want to say about this is that Henry Selick needs to just shut up about Nightmare Before Christmas. This was, your 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 name is not selling this film, Nightmare Before Christmas. But you know what name is selling that film? Tim Burton. You know what's selling your new film? The fact that it's got Jordan Peele involved with it. The fact that Key and Peele are back together again for this film. That is the sell of this film. It's not your name. And when Nightmare Before Christmas came out, stop motion animation, not really a big thing. Still isn't mainstream. It's art. It's gorgeous. It's well done. It kind of creeps me out, which is why, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas is one of the few that I can manage making it through. But the Wendell and Gretel ones or whatever they were, I never got into those because Claymation does weirdly get to me. Like Robot Chicken, I can take it in that length and that style, but for some reason, feature length Claymations, Chicken Run, like I, Chicken Run bothered me. But that doesn't take away from the fact that it is an art form. It is gorgeous and it takes a lot of talent to make happen it just it's it's a thing that i don't know it's unsettling to me but either way back into nightmare before christmas you are not the cell of this film the cell of this film at this time is the guy that just brought batman to the big screen the guy that directed peewee and made that a massive success in big adventure the guy that is currently working on Batman 2. And yeah, he wasn't there and he wasn't filming it, but his name is on that because Disney is not selling a film that he created the story for as well, which that's the other thing. He created the story. These were his characters. He created all those characters. He made the story. Like, he wrote the thing. He did write the thing. I saw people trying to claim that he didn't write it. He did write it. All Henry did was he came in and directed it because 
Tim Burton couldn't pull double duty between filming Batman and a stop-motion animation film. That's why he was brought in. If Tim Burton's not making Batman 2 at this time, he's filming that film. Because it's his story. It's his creation. It's all his idea. He's producing it as well, along with Disney. So, I don't know why this became a thing, why this needed to become a thing. I mean, I really, like... I mean, I guess I get the idea that you made the work and we don't talk enough about him. We always talk about how it's Tim Burton's film, so I can get it from that standpoint of like, hey, but Tim Burton didn't direct it, I directed it, and you wanting to have that conversation, but to get pissed at the fact that the film was sold on Tim Burton is ridiculous because Tim Burton was the hottest thing at the time that that film came out, and that's the thing that helped get my dad to take me to go see the film in theaters. Otherwise, it would have been like, oh, an an animation film? No, I'm good. But it was Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I know Tim Burton. He made the Pee Wee movie. He made the Batman movie. He's doing the sequel. I know this name. This guy means good stories and clever and interesting stuff. I'm in. That looks fun. Let's go. So, Tom Selleck, what I'm telling you, because I know you're listening to the show, uh, or Tom Selleck, Henry Selleck, yeah, Magnum P.I. is listening, oof, yeah, that's why, that's why I know you're listening, Henry, because I can't get my Selleck's right, but, uh, calm down, buddy, calm down. Uh, alright, so, review, Rob actually mentioned this, but I want to get into this as well. There's gonna be two more seasons of Monster on Netflix, the anthology to the Jeffrey Dahmer, Monster was the Jeffrey Dahmer story, huge numbers for Netflix, everybody's tuning in, so of course, they went, hey, Ryan Murphy, let's go, make this an anthology thing, so they're going to focus on some different serial killers in the next few seasons. Uh, Also, in that same announcement with Netflix, they announced that they're going to move forward with a second season of The Watcher. I still have not watched The Watcher. Uh, review it. Rob talks about it. He, him and his brother watched it. I still haven't seen it, but it's on my list. I know the true story behind it because it always comes across my feet at some point working in radio. Like that story eventually every year comes across my feet of the mysterious house in Jersey that gets letters saying, I'm watching you. This is my house. I'm the watcher of this house. All that weird stuff. So it's on my my radar for I want to watch this. Uh, so that's great if you're a fan. If you were a fan of the Dahmer thing, listen, people love love the murder porn as South Park called it, and as I've called it since then because that's what it is for you know America and really not just America, the world because everybody's streaming in on these. For whatever reason, we love these murder shows. We are totally into them and I'm guilty on some of it as well. I've gotten really hooked on Discovery Plus has Fear Thy Neighbor, the episode those episodes on there and I've gotten pretty into those at times, but my fiance loves those shows. I I I get it cuz they are very you can get very hooked on those real crime shows. So I understand why people got hooked on Ryan Murphy, the creator of American Horror Story, a guy who's made some really good stuff, Glee as well. 
I can understand why people are hooked on that show and why they did more. Now, here's the other thing. Um, Netflix now is being criticized for what people are calling a serial killer extended universe because after this news was announced, there was a lot of people branding this as like their attempt to create a Marvel or DC universe of horrible villains. Uh, one person called it, as I mentioned, the serial killer extended universe. Another one said franchising a bunch of psychotic, um, misogynistic serial killers like they're the effing Avengers. Um, one, that comment bothers me because there are female serial killers. So who says the next season isn't going to deal with a female serial killer? One of the most famous, Lizzie Borden, uh, was, you know, a, a murderer. So, no, uh, I don't think that's what they're doing. I think this is literally they are capitalizing on, it's just the idea of capitalism meets demand. People love these shows, as I just mentioned. Even I get caught up in them at times. And people have tuned in. They're going to say, give us more of that. And people are going to tune in. Now, whether or not in season two they go about it a different route because there's been a lot of controversy amongst the victims' families and the show runners and creators and writers and all of that, and Ryan Murphy specifically on whether or not they actually did talk to them. He claims that they talked to people and other ones didn't get back to them and they moved forward. The ones that he claims they talked to claim that they never spoke. So hopefully in season two they do a better job at that and they are more respectful because there's been that conversation as well around the shows. And are these shows respectful? That's partly why I don't really like the shows. But again, Fear Thy Neighbor, I get really hooked into that show whenever it, it's become like one of those, like my form of being like, well, hey, I know you want to watch one of those murder mystery shows. So let's watch this one because I get I I get hooked on the stories of this one and I get it. But there is like a morbidness to it when it is real life. There, And that's the thing that I don't get on how people are like, this is my relaxation to fall asleep. I'm, I can't fall asleep to it because I, I know it's real. Like I, these are real stories. So yeah, the moral obligation aspect to it, that's, that's you know, that's a question in and of itself. Uh, and I guess, you know, a lot of people might not have the same feelings I do because it's very profitable. These shows are very profitable. There's, there's really, there's a whole chat. South Park did a whole episode on adults watching that and the kids putting the parental, the, the child locks on the network so that they couldn't watch those shows. And it was a whole Minecraft thing. It was, it was brilliant. Like how those two typically are Matt and Trey. Uh, all right. From one controversy to another streaming service's controversy, Peacock has gotten themselves in hot water. You all remember Casey Anthony, right? She was found not guilty of the murder of her daughter, Kaylee Anthony, July 5th of 2011. And now she is going to be giving her first ever on-camera interview because she has never given one up to this point. But now we are getting her side of the story in a three-part docuseries on Peacock called Casey Anthony, Where the Truth Lies, that's set to premiere November 29th. 
Uh, Peacock released the trailer for it. You don't see Casey speaking, but off camera, the interviewer asked her the question, why talk to me now when you're not getting creative control? And yeah, just like how I was talking about with Netflix, of course, people not happy with Peacock for this. And this one I understand because really I don't understand why we need this. I guess there is still, you know, into that whole real life murder mystery and real life murder mystery leads into a great segue to say watch only murders in the building because it actually plays on the fact that we are obsessed with true crime podcast and true crime everything and the three of them try to become detectives that solve a true crime case so I guess that we have that want to hear from her but I don't I don't know who sat there and said, you know, it would be great if we do a docu-series that focuses in on Casey Anthony right now and gives her a, a, a place to tell her truth. Like, ah, man. So, yeah, from one controversy to another, who do you want to be right now? You want to be Netflix or you want to be Peacock? Because both of you have uh, definitely annoyed a few people for sure. Before we get into the reviews, I uh, do want to talk one thing. This weekend, there is going to be a huge movie coming out called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. If you haven't heard of it, uh, well, sorry to spoil it for you, but Black Adam is not going to be number one after this weekend. In fact, Black Panther 2 uh, right now is has already sold $45 million in advance tickets, and by Friday, they're saying that number could be somewhere between 60 to $65 million which would make it more than the $55 million the original one pulled in advance ticket sales. But the expectation of this film, they're expecting Wakanda Forever to open with at least, at least at the bare minimum, $175 million domestically. Uh, some experts are saying $200 million more than that. Uh, factoring in as well, the $155 million to 200 million they're guessing internationally this is the box office had uh some pretty down months since august this is much needed for the box office this is going to be a nice jolt in the arm to the movie theater industry as we start to get into the holiday season and we ramp up avatar 2 i know is the big one next month uh, review of Rob was talking about some of the Netflix films, some of the streaming ones that are going to be in limited release. I know Spirit, uh, Spirited is out this weekend in select theaters. Uh, that's going to be the Apple TV one with Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds, potential new owner of the Ottawa Senators, Ryan Reynolds. Uh, that's an NHL team, for those of you that don't know. Uh, and then uh, the Knives Out sequel, Glass Onion, is going to get uh, a limited release about a month before the film actually hits Netflix, which is pretty cool. So that's going to be out in theaters like Thanksgiving weekend, and then it hits Netflix like right around Christmas. Uh, so yeah, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I got my ticket for Thursday. I tried talking with the guys, potentially maybe Sunday. There could possibly be a Throw Me Podcast Network giant spoiler review conversation about Wakanda forever because let's be real we're gonna need to talk about this film we are gonna need to talk about this film after it comes out 
All right, let's get into some reviews. Uh, actually checked out three things. Going to just go down in the order of how I saw them. So Friday, teased it last week, review it. Rob already reviewed it. And now that I'm getting ready to talk about it, that means I can go listen to his review. But what I'm going to tell you is go listen to his review anyway because I'm sure it was damn good. And I'm sure it's better than what mine's going to be. So here's my review. Uh, weird, the Al Yankovic story. I love this film. There it is. My review. Done. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, though, I really enjoyed this movie. It's as if Dewey Cox met the unbearable weight of massive talent. And what I mean in that is that this is a film that pokes fun at all the biopics that have come before it. Specifically, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, with its liberties that it takes with telling the story of Weird Al and how he became to be the sensation that he is, the Grammy Award-winning artist, because that is the thing. Weird Al is a Grammy Award-winning artist. And this film takes aspects of his life and exaggerates them, not to 10, not even to 11, but to like 27. It, it would make Spinal Tap blush at the fact that you could crank the, the volume that high on the amps. Because that is this movie right here. That is... Weird, the Al Yankovic story. And Daniel Radcliffe sells this movie from beginning to end as he portrays Weird Al uh, and his rise to fame, his alcohol, drug-induced rise to fame, his crazy relationship with Madonna. And that's the thing. None of those things have happened in Weird Al's life, but that's what this movie portrays. And... That's why I liked it, because I was not a big fan of Bohemian Rhapsody when it came out. I'm still not a big fan of it. It ekes out in the see the film category for me, but it wasn't one of my favorites because of the fact that they took so many liberties in that film. They really rearranged Queen's story just to tell the most compelling dramatic film and that is what this film does. Just like how Dewey Cox riffed on Johnny Cash and Ray, this film's riffing on the most recent versions of the biopics, but does slide in some very clever moments to other biopics. There's a sequence where Weird Al is on the stage and he's shirtless and he's wearing leather pants and he proceeds to start doing Jim Morrison when Jim Morrison got arrested in Miami-Dade County for allegedly showing his junk on stage and exposing himself to the crowd. And Weird Al, in the film, does that same thing where he calls the crowd a bunch of slaves, he starts trash-talking, he's drinking, he's clearly gone, and then he starts saying, you want me to whip it out? Do you want to see it? All right, I'm going to show it to you. And he gets arrested, and it's Miami-Dade County. A clear reference to the Doors biopic from Oliver Stone. And that just won me over. And the ending of this film is so wild. Like, if you are willing to enter a world in which Michael Jackson was ripping off Weird Al and not vice versa, even though we know in reality that's what it is, then you are in for a treat with this film. It is so much fun. And again, Daniel Radcliffe... The fact that you can see his veins popping out as he's lip-syncing to Weird Al songs really just commits to the cell of 
the absurdity of this film. And I do think a lot of the jokes really land. And I think a lot of the bits really work. And specifically, if you like Weird Al, you're really going to love it. But even if you're not a fan of Weird Al, I think you can find an appreciation in the humor, the wit, and the cleverness of the story that's being told. The other movie I watched was Beast, starring Idris Elba versus a CGI lion. Uh, This was a fun movie, entertaining, very simple premise, a little survival thriller, Idris Elba and his family trapped in a jeep with a lion on the prowl. Lion is being extra aggressive. Usually that doesn't happen. Why is that happening? But yeah, just a simple present premise, a simple suspenseful film, some some really good suspense moments, uh, great builds, fun action, good set pieces when they had it, uh, a really standout performance as well uh, from a couple of the small cast. I mean, Idris Elba's always stand out. Uh, his arc as the failed father to uh, eventual lion puncher. That's not a that's not a spoiler. That was in the trailer and part of the cell that made me want to see this film was he punched the lion. So to see that arc is just fun with Idris. He brings this gravitas to him on 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 screen. Uh, Charlto Copley as his buddy Martin is just scene stealer in every moment. Uh, my only issue with this film is that for as fun as it is, it's very forgettable. It's it's a forgettable suspense film. There's not much about it outside of some standout performances where you're going to be walking away and down the road be like, remember that moment? Remember that moment? Even the punch. It's cool. But it's a very forgettable film at the end of the day. And it is, at times, it strays away from its simple premise and tries to be a little bit more, which... I don't want to say it becomes convoluted because it doesn't. It's very, it's, it's easy, but it, it tries to do more than it needs to do at moments. And you're like, okay, that's fine. Uh, it does not overstay its welcome, which is great. It is a very, very tight hour and a half film. Uh, but I do recommend seeing this. I wish I had seen this on the big screen. So I would say watch it on the biggest screen that you could possibly see it on in your place. And yeah, just sit back, enjoy some popcorn, enjoy the ride, uh, or enjoy the animal survival flick. But when it's over, you're not really going to think much about it again. Uh, Something you will think about, though, if you give it a watch, and that is the I Love You, You Hate Me documentary about the rise of Barney and then the violent response to Barney the Dinosaur. This is on Peacock. It is a two-part documentary, and I really fully recommend this. Now, I grew up watching Barney when I was at the age to watch Barney. Between the age of, like, two and four, I was watching Barney because Barney was, and the documentary goes into it, Barney was created for preschool-level children. It's for the child's mind. That's what Barney's for. And this is at a time when you didn't have as many options as you do now. You didn't, you you know, nowadays, and the documentary is really thought provoking about kind of the avenue of where they approach it from. 
and does ask some great questions and does lay out some great answers as well to those questions. But one of the things that they bring up is that at this time when Barney came out, you have to remember that there it was Sesame Street. That was pretty much it. That was all that was there for like for for pre-K and and for young kids that are easily distracted and need something that can grab their attention. But today we have hundreds of them because you have all the streaming services, all of that. So Barney kind of stemmed from that in 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 Cheryl Cheryl Leach creating this character because she had a two-year-old kid that was easily distracted and all of that. So she was trying to create something that could keep him occupied while she was a stay-at-home mom. And it's talks about its rural beginnings just out of Texas, the small little thing, how it started there, and then how it just kept growing and growing, and eventually PBS gets a hold of it, and it becomes this huge thing. And then the dawn of the internet begins, and all of a sudden you have the I Hate Barney Secret Society. You have the Jihadist Against Barney. And you have Gen X. In the We talked about this with the Woodstock 99. You have the beginning of Gen X and the grunge culture kicking in as well. And the... I don't give a crap attitude and the I don't get it and the very cynical approach to the world. And then here's this character. I love you. You're my friend forever. And Jerry Springer's blowing up and this very, and this world around it that is just so angry, so pissed off, not happy, cynical as F, questioning everything. And there's Barney an easy punching bag and what that caused, what the violence of Barney actually caused to the Leech family, how this character, like what happens with Cheryl Leach and her family could be its own two, three, four part documentary because the one thing that you cannot get, that we don't get a lot of answers with is with some aspects of that, because she does not partake in it. A little spoiler. She does not partake in the documentary. But there is a reason why. And I won't say it. Maybe you know it because maybe you remember the news. Maybe you're going to search it now. What happened. But it is absolutely wild. The story that 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 was told. And what happened. And how the success of Barney. How that fractured a family. How the violence towards Barney fractured a family and how it all led to attempted murder. Oh, just, just, it is wild. The amount of violence in it. And that's the, that's the thing that I, that I meant as well. When I say that I like the approach that this film takes is it does talk about the idea of the birth of the internet and really the beginning of keyboard warriors and those threats and, what threats towards Barney were real and which ones, you know, weren't. Because there were some that were just hate and then there were others that were actual true threats with people trying to follow through. Like, it is crazy. Oh, and and the guy who uh, also wore the Barney outfit, 
uh, the first one, or not the first one, I'm sorry, the second one, the main Barney, though, uh, he's he's like a sex tantric, tantric sex guy now. Yeah, watch this documentary on Peacock. Even if you're not a Barney fan, you will be blown away by this documentary. So fully recommend it, really enjoyed it. Uh, so that's three things I recommend for you to give a watch this week. That's your homework. Watch Weird, the Al Yankovic story on the Roku channel for free. You can even stream it on the Roku channel for free. So you can just go to your computer and watch it there. That's not one you need a big screen for. Check out Beast if you want to have a good time with a little suspense thriller survival film. Just remember, you're going to forget it right after. Uh, and definitely go check out I Love You, You Hate Me, that documentary about Barney on Peacock. All right, uh, before I go, a little bit of... Um, Follow up as well. Make sure you uh, like and subscribe to the show if you haven't done it yet. Rate and review it. Share it with friends. Share it with enemies. Share it with whoever you want to. Send it to Guantanamo Bay for all I care and have them play it to the terrorist. Also, like Throw Me Podcast Network on Facebook, on the Instagram, on the TikTok, and on the YouTube. As I mentioned, this Sunday, potentially through Throw Me Podcast Network, you could be getting a Black Panther 2 big spoiler review so you want to subscribe to all of that and haunters podcast definitely go still subscribe to that on instagram because while it is heading into off season the final episode of the season is out right now for you to go give a listen to where we just kind of recap uh really the haunt year and the future of haunt season 2023 as well as speculate about what will be at hhn joking but go give that a check out. Uh, even though that's going off season, the Instagram page will remain active for Haunters Podcast. There's off season haunts, there's interviews coming, there's a lot of stuff coming. And also, there's a big announcement at the end of that episode about another show coming to the Throw Me Podcast Network that Review It Rob is so excited for. All right, until next week, everybody, peace and love. <laughs>